Stewart. Listening to CITR Radio, FM 102, Cable 88.5, and the Nardwar the Human Serviette Radio Show. Today on the Nardwar the Human Serviette Radio Show, an interview with Eugene Chadbourne, who's playing coming up on Monday and Tuesday here in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. He's playing at the Cosmic Zoo on Monday and on Tuesday at Nyla. African restaurant at Maine and King Ed. That's Eugene Chadbourne today on the Nardwar de Human Serviette radio show. And to start you off, you just heard right there from Manchester, but now in Glasgow, Scotland, Colin's godson from a five-inch CD and the Beatles play panpipes. Actually, the CD also comes with an amazing comic book. Colin's Godson, the Beatles play Panpipes from Manchester, now living in Glasgow. Here, right now, as I'm mentioning, to prepare you, I love the word prepare you, to prepare you, to prepare you for Eugene Chadbourne. Here's Eugene Chadbourne with the Bully Song on the Nardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show. Uh, much as I am very fond of modern music, I did happen to think that this was a little bit much. My uncle used to love me, but she died. A chicken ain't chicken dip, chicken with fried. Keep on the sunny side. My uncle used to love me, but she died. Who buy a quarter, 30 cents for a ring of keys, three, sixty-five, four dollars worth of groceries. I'll have me a car of my own someday, but till then, I need me a ride. My uncle used to love me, but she died. My uncle used to love me, but she died. But chicken ain't chicken, keep it sticking to the fried. Keep on the sunny side. My uncle used to love me, but she died. 
hamburger, got the garlic, lettuce, and tomatoes for dimes. So you may get some alligator. One more time to free you around the Ferris wheel ride. My uncle used to let me, but you died. Uncle used to let me, but you died. A chicken, chicken, dinner, chicken, chicken, fried. On the sunny side. I think we deserve Yeah. 
Each clutch in a checker between their fingertips Stripped raw from dripping, a little blood dripping Down upon a board, splattered crimson So red you couldn't see on which square you'd land move was whose I could not tell all I could hear was the two of them yell back and forth how they hated this game but one day they'll be a winner and that will end the blame till then they'll play till their fingers bled till then they'll play till one of them is dead then the sons and the daughters gladly replace they're waiting in the station with a scrunched up face I went back to my car, I was trembling, I admit The vision remained, though I wanted none of it And I slept fitfully as the train careened on Till a child screamed, woke me near the dawn Scream tore at my heart Someone torturing a baby Why doesn't anyone else hear it? I must be going crazy I ran through the train Trying to find it The scream went on and on Was I in front or behind it? At last I found the child on a cabin Its ribs were sticking out It howled for comfort A pitiful shout And it tried to move On its legs so weak I took it in my arms Clutched it to my cheeks Cuddling it so I went into the room Where the game went on And in its blood And in its doom Cried. The child's sick, can't you hear? There could be a million more ones said We wouldn't care Our game is too important And it's always been this way Our game will go on I'll be the winner someday The hell you will That's just what your father said And his before that Now both of them are dead Better dead than to give in The other one Yes! Checker blood streaming down his wrist Where was the board in a pool on the table And still they played on I don't know how they were able As I stood there Woke up back in my car How long had I traveled Not really very far My body was aching from this troubled sleep So I walked up and down the corridor On the train going east
mama. Thank you. 
to the Nardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show. And who do we have on the line right now? Hello, are you there, caller? I am here. Who are you? My name is Eugene Chadbourne. Eugene Chadbourne, welcome to the Nardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show. I'm very happy to be on the show. And Eugene, while I was waiting to call you, while I was waiting to call you, because I'm calling you, and actually I'm calling you at a pretty famous place, aren't I? Well, you're calling uh, in the lap of luxury studios. I mean, it's kind of like when, well, I don't know, maybe it's kind of like when Beck accepted a Grammy Award from Kiss. Do you remember the rock and roll band Kiss at all, Eugene Chadbourne? Well, uh, to tell you the truth, uh, I think uh, Kiss came through Calgary when I was a reporter there on their very first tour. And they were the opening act in a four-band lineup at the uh, hockey rink, which I think included the Manfred Mann Earth Band, a version of Savoy Brown, and a group called Malo, which featured the cousin of Carlos Santana that threw sets of maracas out into the audience. And uh, people didn't know what to make of Kiss, and I, I was a newspaper reporter at the time, so I was always talking to the promoters and stuff. And I was talking to the sound guy, and he said, he told me, this band is paying $500 a show just to play and get a showcase, and can you believe them? They'll never go anywhere. And I said, well, it looks kind of ridiculous to me. And then, of course, you know, they were a big band. So You know what? I can't... Shows what people like me know about the business. That's incredible, Eugene Chadbourne, because I can almost verify that story, because when I interviewed Gene Simmons, he told me his first groupie conquest was in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. Ah! 
Well, of course, he never talks about anything else but his conquest. So. But still, Edmonton, Calgary, pretty close together there. That's right. They have a rivalry all the time for everything. So I mentioned Kiss because a long time ago, Beck... Do you have any association with Beck at all? The rock and roller known as Beck, Eugene Chadbourne. Any connection to Beck? No, no real, no real connection. I, I sometimes uh, when I play a cover of "I'm a Loser" by the Beatles, I sometimes go into his song called "Loser." So Beck was presented a Grammy by the reunited Kiss. By the reunited Kiss, like Kiss had got back together. Had and were all, they wearing their makeup? They had, yes, they had all their makeup, and this was a big thing because yeah. you know they had the makeup off, and then here they are back together. Might have been the Psycho Circus tour. I'm not sure, but they were back together. And Beck accepts the award from Kiss and doesn't even acknowledge Kiss. The Kiss are back together and in the makeup. He just takes the award and walks off. Like I would have gone, oh Did he my! Know who they were? And I, well, maybe he didn't. Mm, that, <laughs> Interesting insight into Beck. I love it. Actually, how is the reaction when you do Beck covers? Do Beck covers go pretty well? Because you do quite a few covers. Well, I've never really done a cover. I've just quoted a line from that song in and in, in in make a kind of a medley out of it. I really don't know that that many of his songs. But um, uh, I remember when his when his first records came out. Uh, my uh, I, I, a couple of my daughters were still in high school and they and, and they liked him. But they said he was imitating me. I don't really know that. I, I'm not not in having a hit record. I've never had a hit record. I've just been hitting the head with my own records. And you are Eugene Chadbourne. So what I was going to say is, what happened with Kiss and what happened with Beck kind of just happened a couple minutes ago when I talked to Scott Henderson from Sea of Shit. Like, I just kind of went, hi, Scott, can I speak to Eugene? But Scott Henderson, who's recording you right now, he's like Kiss, isn't he? Well, I guess you could compare him. He doesn't. He doesn't wear makeup. I, I think he's missing a lung. I think everybody in Kiss has all their lungs, but I'm not really sure. Um, you should acknowledge that to me, he's one of the great uh, all-around musicians, uh, cool guy, r- recording engineer, uh, unsurpassed. One of one of the best, and and uh, that's one reason I'm out here in the, in the Sook, enjoying their recording studio. And, making a new CD, which is going to be entitled Stop Snoring. And you are Eugene Chadbourne. And, yeah. and Eugene, you're in Vancouver coming up in a couple days on Monday at yep. the Cosmic Zoo. Yeah, that's what they're going to just for the name of the club, don't you think? Yes, indeed. And then on Tuesday, you're at Nala African Restaurant at Maine and King Ed. Do you play many restaurants at all, Eugene uh, Chadbourne? Um, um, I think this is my first uh, time in an Ethiopian restaurant. I've, I've played in several Vietnamese restaurants. I've played in a Chinese restaurant, an Italian restaurant. Oh, you're breaking up just slightly, Eugene Chadbourne. Is the connection maybe a bit wonky at the moment on your end? I'm wandering around eating blackberries. Maybe I should get back to civilization. But although perhaps maybe you like the connection to be like that, like how dare I say the connection is wonky, because I'm sure people have said your music is wonky too, haven't they, Eugene Chadbourne? Yep, and and technically lacking in clarity. Like maybe purposely you're making the conversation go this way by the connection, by picking the blackberries. It's very possible. So on Tuesday, you're at Nala African Restaurant in Vancouver, and on Monday, you're at the Cosmic Zoo in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. And Eugene Chadbourne, what did we just hear before you came on? I played a whole bunch of your music. What can you tell the people about the Bully Song? We heard the Bully Song. I wrote the Bully Song originally for one of my children who was being pushed around in school by some people. 
and uh, it related to a lot of experiences uh, I had in school as well. And I think, you know, now they pay a little bit more attention to that kind of thing, but it's a really big problem. And um, that's uh, basically I came up with that song because I had to go and play in the school, and I thought, all these people are always playing this stupid children's music that's kind of cheesy, but it would be nice to play something about this, something the kids that they really care about, and that song went over quite well. And it remains one that I've, uh, I've always had that in my uh, repertoire. And then we heard, I've been everywhere. That's, of course, an old country classic that um, names all these different cities. And, of course, in my version, we made it international, and we named a lot of international places. And I was working with some guys uh, in the Midwest um, that had a studio in their basement that were quite quite inventive. They had a group called the Blitzoids. They put out a couple of vinyl things. And um, we were also, like, adding all kinds of ethnic instruments based on each country we mentioned. We had a lot of fun recording that. And then Checkers of Blood on Alternative Tentacles Records. Oh, I'm glad you played that song. So, And what's the background on that one for that's people that don't night, know? That's based on, uh, that's one of the songs I've written that's based on a dream I had, and that was a nightmare I had when I was touring in Romania, and it's a kind of uh, story about all kinds of mayhem on a train. Um, yeah, I'm glad you played Checkers of Blood, one of my favorites. With Evan Johns. Yes, Evan Johns and the H-Bombs, Mike Buck on drums, and a guy named Bugsy Combs on bass. And then, Eugene Chadbourne, I played the Beatles medley, or at least some of the Beatles medley, but I'm not quite sure what Beatles songs were in the Beatles medley. I think, was there Day Tripper and there was Birthday? What's in the Beatles medley? Do you remember? Those two, for sure. I think I've just seen a face. I think Octopus's Garden. And depending on how much of it you played, uh, in one version it ends up with a, one of the later John Lennon songs, too, is, is thrown in at the end. Yeah, I noticed it was 22 minutes. I don't think I played the entire thing. It they was... don't let you play something that long on the radio, do they? Oh, yes, they do. Maybe we'll continue Good. it on at the end of this interview with Eugene Chadbourne. And we're speaking right now to Eugene Chadbourne, who's coming to Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, on Monday and Tuesday, Cosmic Zoo and Nyla African Restaurant, Maine and King Ed, Monday and Tuesday of this week. And if you have any questions, listeners, for Eugene Chadbourne or any email questions, it's 604 822 ubc citr And actually, we have a caller right now. Hi, Hello. I'm calling for, uh, hang on. Oh, uh, maybe just turn down your computer. Me. My name's Alan McKenna. Oh, turn down your computer a tiny bit, caller. Give someone I else did. a chance, Alan. <laughs> caller, oh. go ahead to Eugene Chadbourne. Oh, hi, Eugene. Hi. Uh, Eugene, uh, yeah, so it's Alan. Um, I, I wanted to ask about the uh, theme of political corruption in uh, your songs, things like Evil Filthy Preachers, City of Corruption, uh, and particularly Rollover Berlusconi. I was wondering where that came from. Well, the actual source of that was uh, starting in a long Italian tour. Uh, mm-hmm. I finally got in there. I was at the first venue. I was eating, and I was listening to some music that DJ was playing, and I was thinking about, oh, here I am again, once again, starting out a tour in Italy, and I don't really have an Italian political song, and why should they listen to me talk about America? And then I, the guy started playing Chuck Berry, and I started thinking, well, I like practicing the Chuck Berry style. Uh, maybe I should take one of the Chuck Berry songs and, and do a number about Berlusconi, and that just came right with the obvious choice, Roll Over Berlusconi. And okay. to that now we've, I've got a new uh, 
parody that just came is coming out in Italy of uh, Ruby, my dear, the Thelonious Monk song with um, new words about uh, Berlusconi's relationship with a Moroccan prostitute named Ruby. <laughs> what, was there any reaction from Berlusconi? Well, not directly. I mean, come on. <laughs> What's he going to care? He probably thinks it's great. I mean, he's busy <laughs> reacting to all this other stuff and making trouble on his own. Um and and the the other question I wanted to ask you about was um, uh, just just as as someone who's you know lived in the United States and Canada, if you had feelings about Mark Emery being in prison in the states. I di- I don't think anybody should be in prison for anything relating to what he's doing, let alone him. You know. Uh, maybe Alan, you could clarify what exactly is Mark Emery's position. Just for the people that don't know. Well, I mean, Mark Emery's a marijuana activist who, who believes that marijuana should be legal, and uh, you know he's a tax, he's paid taxes on his uh, his business. I, I think I don't think anybody should be in jail for anything to do with marijuana. At the worst, if somebody like is smoking too much marijuana and does something cheesy or silly, like eats too much or whatever, they should maybe get like a traffic ticket for being overstoned. But <laughs> besides that, I mean, you come on, I mean, it's just silly. But it's, a, it's, it's more than silly. It's a serious problem because they got a lot of people locked up for that. It's stupid. Absolutely, absolutely. All right, thank, thanks, Eugene. I'll uh, see you on Monday. Yeah, Alan, maybe you could tell the people where exactly is Eugene playing? Where, where is he playing? Yeah, where? where's the Cosmic what? Zoo, the address of the Cosmic Zoo? Oh, Cosmic Zoo. Uh, I could look that up. I think it's like 53 West Broadway, but it might be East Broadway. Uh, I'm not entirely sure. But uh, let me uh, look at my computer here. I thought it was like you you go to the Vancouver Zoo and there's a special place you enter that's the Cosmic Zoo. Uh, No, no, it's actually uh, another restaurant. It's actually, yeah, and it's 53 West Broadway in Mount Pleasant, Maine area. So Go check out Eugene Chadbourne at the Cosmic Zoo this Monday. Well, thanks for phoning in, caller, and doot-doot-a-loot-doo. Doot-doo. And if anybody else has any other questions for Eugene Chadbourne, it's 604-822-2487, 604-UBC-CITR. And we're still on the Nardward, a human serviette radio show with Eugene Chadbourne. I'm from Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, Eugene Chadbourne. Are you excited to know that Boris Karloff worked at the Pacific National Exhibition in Vancouver, Canada as a carpenter? That's incredible. I had no idea he worked in Canada as a carpenter. Yes, he helped build the Pacific National Exhibition, which is happening right now. I guess he left England, came to Vancouver, needed a job, and became a carpenter. So that was before he made his way to Los Angeles and was, rec- and was noticed in the cafeteria by uh, James Whale, the director. Exactly. Who started using, used him in, a, I think, a, a crime film and then decided to cast him as Frankenstein when Bella Lugosi turned the part down. Eugene, speaking of movies and stuff, tell us about the abominable Dr. Fibs. The abominable Dr. Fibes? I think it rhymes with vibes. I just like Fibs because I think of... Yeah, it's not that. You know, I associate that movie with moving to Calgary when I was of draft dodger age. I I was in, I think, 16, 17. We moved to Calgary, and I knew absolutely nobody, and school hadn't started. And one day I entertained myself by figuring out how to ride the bus to the south part of the city where this new Vincent Price film was showing, which I thought was a fantastic film. And the next night I had nothing to do, so I thought, well, I'm just going to go back to that theater and see it again, which, I mean, you, this is the, you know, talk about adolescent loneliness going twice alone to the same horror film two nights in a row. 
And then I decided to walk home that night, which was an incredible distance across the, the south of Calgary, including doing some completely weird things, cutting through uh, no trespassing zones on a golf course and stuff like that. I had a great time. They made a horrible sequel to that film. That's my opinion anyway. But uh, the first one is, is very good. Vincent Price brings a certain quality to all his projects. Caller, are you there? Yes, I am. Go ahead to Eugene Chadbourne, Caller. Sure. Eugene, uh, I think uh, you used to write for Maximum Rock and Roll, didn't you? I did for a while, yeah. Yeah, that's a long time ago. I uh, I started reading Maximum Rock and Roll when I was about uh, 13 years old, and I'm 40 yeah, years old Yeah, the editor, now. Tim Yohannan, asked me, uh, I don't think, he, he he's obviously no longer the editor because he passed away, but that's right. uh, he, he asked me if I would write a, a, a regular column, and he said I would have a different perspective, and that was a lot of fun. Uh, the, the, wor- the worst reaction I got in that magazine was when I wrote a column about, uh, back to the same subject again, legalizing drugs. Mm-hmm. Boy, I got blasted for that by the straight edge. When is the last time you wrote for Maxim Rock and Roll? I don't remember exactly. Um, they sort of changed, uh, changed up some of the editorial policies or whatever they were going to do after Tim died, and um, I kind of lost touch with them. But I enjoyed that. It was kind of a nice forum. I think some people got interested in my music because of reading the writing there. Mm-hmm. They, sometimes people would come up and say they came to a gig because they had read my column. And you also played Gilman Street, I noticed, with the Beatniks. Yes, that was a great show. And that's part of the Maximum and Rock I think and Roll Adrenaline Empire. OD played that night, too. And you've been covering a few rap songs. Like on the CD that Alan passed along to me, you cover a wino song. Oh, I, yeah, we were getting, we got completely lost in San Antonio looking for this gig, and we're driving along, and suddenly this thing comes on the radio by, pop my trunk. We're listening to this, and I'm like, this is incredible. Uh, and this was, I used to rely on my children when I drove them around to pick out, pick out rap songs for me to do cover versions of. Uh, and then I no longer had to drive them around, and I stopped listening to that kind of stuff. But we heard it this one night, and then I looked it up on the Internet, and it had this hilarious uh video with this little boy trying to wake the guy up, you know, and then, so I really exaggerated this with this, like, galoot who can't get out of bed, you know, it's, wake up, wake up, get your ass out of bed, they're waiting for you on the rumble, what time is it, come back later, anyway, you also, a lot of fun with that, you also covered TLC, too, with the Malachi Papers, <laughs> no, I think what, uh, Waterfalls. Yeah, TLC. That's amazing. Yeah, TLC. And speaking of TLC and Top 40 songs, any other questions at all about Maxim Rock and Roll Caller? No, that's okay. Well, thanks for phoning in and doot-doot-a-loot-doo. Doot-doot. And you're still listening to the Nardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show with Eugene Chadbourne. Eugene Chadbourne, Bo Diddley is a communist? That's another good one, huh? Do you have Bo Diddley's guitar? Because I could swear I saw you and Bo Diddley's guitar really close I have together. A Bo, I have a Bo Diddley guitar. How was it created? By your own hands? Where did you get it? No, that? it was created by the Gretsch company that owns the, the model or the design or whatever. How long have they been selling them, and do many other people have them? I don't really know. One year they had an anniversary, and they made these famous guitars that they were known for, different models, and they made a Bo Diddley model. And I found it in a music store, and I was looking at it, and the guy goes... I noticed that it was a price tag. It was one of these things where they kept flashing the number and writing a lower one. So I'm like, hmm. And I'm looking at it, and the guy goes, are you interested in that? And I said, um, 
uh, well, who wouldn't be interested in a Bo Diddley guitar? And he said, uh, well, who's Bo Diddley? And then I knew, oh, well, I can ask him for if I can get a case, too, for this price. Because <laughs> he doesn't know what this is. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of funny. One of the nice things about it is it because of the shape, it's really easy to repair. It's like a box. You can just open it up and fiddle around inside. Eugene Shadborn, when you lived in Calgary, as you mentioned, who were the local bands at the time? Do you remember any of the local bands in Calgary when you lived there? Well, the Stampeders were a local band that had a, had, had a hit record. Oh, Sweet City Woman... Oh, what da, a, da, 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 da. Remember that? Yeah, oh, what a feeling, what a rush. It was too early for the punk scene. There were some rocker, there were some rock bands. I can't remember the names of them. The weird thing is at one point I did a whole feature for the Calgary Herald on local rock bands, but I can't remember anything about it. I do remember a local rocker named Peter Clark, who um, was really into like playing stuff like The Who. And what I remember, I just had this funny memory of going to this party in this part of Calgary that... This neighborhood has basically been torn up to build the rapid transit, but there used to be these old ramshackle houses there, and there was this, it was winter night, and there was this old school rock and roll party going on in Calgary, where the house was at, they were playing summertime blues, and the house was actually shaking from the rock band playing inside. I mean, it was a great, if you like rock and roll, that was a great moment, but I don't know what ever happened to that guy, and I mean, you... If you do a Google search on the name Peter Clark, well, come on, give me a break. You're not going to get anything but seven million things. When did you return to Calgary to see a punk band? Because there were lots of great punk bands in Calgary, like the Golden Calgarians or the Hot Nasties. When did you first... There, and wasn't there the Rip Chords or something, too? The Rip Chords were actually from Montreal. Uh-huh. But there were Maybe still... there's more than one. I thought there was a Calgary Rip Chords. When did... There could have been, actually. When did you return to Calgary for the first time when there was punk? Like, when did you come back to Calgary the first time? Well, I almost came back. At, you know, my parents parents were there so i almost came back every year and then the you know i uh, what i remember living in new york was uh, there was suddenly a review of this band black flag and they called it they said it was nazi sort of fascist music the guy really had it completely wrong and um but they, another thing they said about it that i thought was intriguing and they said well you know this isn't really even music anymore it's just sheer noise and i said well, i thought well that sounds Sounds about time because I thought rock and roll had gotten kind of wimpy for years. There was nothing like that, and uh, but it, I don't really remember much about the punk scene in Calgary, other than the fact that at a certain point, you know, my music was hard to pinpoint and hard to find. And I was basically like I would play in any venue. It could be really uh, an art gallery or a theater or something, but I would also play a club, and I was happy to play in punk clubs. So I ended up playing at Ten Foot Henry's with Shockabilly, which is I think was one of the main um, punk clubs. But there was a couple of other places I played um, after that over the years that obviously were, you know, uh, hosting a lot of rock bands and stuff. But you released independent records in Calgary, didn't you? Where did you get your records pressed? How did John Zorn hear your records? How was the distro back then? Did you actually press records when you were in Calgary? Yeah, they were pressed out in, uh, by RCA Special Products somewhere out in Ontario. Were you one of the first people from Calgary to do your own independent release then? No, I mean, I think that, you know, I remember at the time one of the studios I used, and then uh, the second record I made, they actually did a whole package deal. I mean, they were putting out records for people, local rock bands, gospel groups. How was the distribution? Polka groups, I mean, all these kinds of, uh, uh, a lot of genres, they started putting out records on their own because they could just sell them at gigs. 
the distribution for that was absolutely amazing in a way in that there was this new company called New Music Distribution in New York at that time that was uh, basically distributing anything anyone independently released as, as long as they thought it was interesting, and they liked my solo guitar records. And I guess uh, the, the story I heard from John Zorn was that he just bought these records when he saw them in a store called the Soho Music Gallery. That's great that you had such great distribution. Like, that's amazing. You could have almost well, stayed it is pretty amazing. it is pretty amazing to think about. Um, uh, that's not as easy to do nowadays. Because it kind of regressed, because a couple years later, it was hard for independent bands to get their music out. But right then and there, for you to get it, like, in the hands of John Zorn back then in, like, the mid Of course, you got to remember, too, at that time, John Zorn was a guy that played in his house that nobody had heard of at all, and it took years to build up an audience. That was one of the first things I did. I started playing with him because he knew my stuff and we were playing together and, and basically we were playing for his girlfriend, mine if I had one, uh, a friend of his called Louie. Uh, we started with, you know, two or three people in the audience and then one suddenly we had 10 and then 20 and What's funny now is the people in New York that will say, oh, I saw that first show you did with John Zorn. I'm like, really? <laughs> You're not, your name's not Louie, and you're not John Zorn's girlfriend, so you weren't there. Sorry. <laughs> but you are Eugene Chadbourne, and you're coming to Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, this Monday, September 5th, and Tuesday, September the 6th. Monday, you're at the Cosmic Zoo, and Tuesday, you're at Nala, African restaurant at Maine and King Ed. And, Eugene Chadbourne, we have an email question for you, and it reads... Dear Eugene, I've heard that the Mothers of Invention were an influence on you. So, since you've collaborated frequently with Jimmy Carl Black, were you perhaps starstruck when you first met him? What was your meeting with him like? Regards, Julian. <laughs> uh, it was really thrilling because he was a, definitely a teenage hero. Uh, we used to stand around in gym class and when they would call out the... The, the the roll call, somebody would always say, I'm Jimmy Carl Black, and I'm the Indian of the group. So he was a real hero, and uh, the first uh, contact was on the telephone. I had an opportunity to hire a dozen musicians for a big improvisation event. I had his phone number in Austin, Texas, that I'd gotten from an associate, and I decided he's not going to mind if I call with a job that includes, you know, a trip to Europe and blah, blah, blah. So he was very uh, nice to talk to. And then we actually met him for the first time at this uh, uh, festival. And um, that's when he told me his wife and him were planning to move to Europe. And I said, well, I work a lot more in Europe, and maybe we can get something together. And, that, and, I, uh, and he said, like a trio. And I said, no, a duo. And he goes, what about bass? I said, I don't want to have a bass player. I never play with a bass player. So that was like his first experience to play without, without a bass, and we started what we called the Jack and Jim show. And, um, I don't really remember what it was like to feel kind of starstruck by him because we rapidly became best friends, but um, there's definitely... It, there's a sort of a uh, category of experience where I get to play music with somebody who music I really loved and I play a song uh, on a record that I really liked and they played on the original record and that's just that's just great. I've had that experience with a, a few different drummers. On one of the things Eugene Chadbourne that I saw on YouTube when I typed in the name Eugene Chadbourne there was something that came up, some sort of documentary it was a short documentary, not like a 20 minute one, but a short one and in it the narrator said a spokesman for the Reagan White House said Eugene Chadbourne's music was a direct threat to the American way of life. 
What was that about? Did a Reagan White well, House... That's a, I hold that up as, as an example that, that uh, the worst threat to, the, to any way of life is journalists, because they refuse to believe that Larry Speaks, spokesman for the White House, never said that. That was made up. And consistently in interviews, if someone asks me about it, then they go ahead and print it anyway, and they ignore what I tell them. So people really want to believe that this guy... Uh, now, what happened was, in a, at a concert in Oxford, Mississippi, the police raided the bar. And I had been told already that Larry Speaks was in the audience. He, that's the college he went to, and apparently he was back in town, and he came down to this club. And the guys came up and said, Larry Speaks is here. I said, you got to be kidding. And I went into every song about Ronald Reagan or satire about Reagan I could think of. I put on a wig and pretended to be Barbara Bush and talked about scoring dope with Nancy Reagan. I mean, I just went on and on. But I never personally had any contact with him. The next thing that happened was the police raided the place. But um, So one of my friends made up this quote and put it on a poster, and my God, the longevity that has, and they refused to believe he never said it. I mean, the fact of the matter is in America... Nobody pays attention to you if you're sort of a marginal underground figure like me. They don't know. Ronald Reagan doesn't care about what I'm up to. They were worried about John Lennon, you know. I can understand why. You know, John Lennon put on a certain pair of glasses, and a million kids wore the same pair of glasses. Nobody knows what the hell I'm up to. That's what's fun about it. So anyway, you know, he never said that. But they do know what you're up to in Norway, don't you? Turbo Negro! <laughs> That's true. Now, you, you a, sung, few, a few people. You sung in Norwegian with Turbo Negro. That's true. They taught me a, a Norwegian punk song. And have you sung in any other languages at all? Uh, I have tried. Uh, I've sung, I have tried to sing in German, in Spanish, um, Italian. It's an interesting... Uh, it's something you can try to do as a singer. It's, a, it's very difficult, and you really run the risk of making a fool out of yourself. I, 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 I tried a Spanish uh, mariachi song that's very sad called the the collar of pearls the, the collar of pearls i tried it in sweden because i thought well i can get away with it here nobody's going to know what's going on and i heard this laughter from the back of the room and these spanish guys came up and they said that was the funniest thing we've ever heard and i said well it's supposed to be a sad song so i don't think that's uh, that's not like one of the major things i'm i'm pushing for is to be known as a kind of the julio iglesias of the avant-garde eugene chadbourne did you ever play with the dutch punk band the x because i know uh, i've been to some of their gigs i've never i've never played with them yeah because i noticed that han bennick did what can yeah, you tell the people well, about my, my youngest daughter made a very good comment about the x at a festival she she turned to me during their set and said I need to get to sleep. I'm falling asleep. And then when we left the place, you said, when you fall asleep to the X, you know you're tired. Ba-boom! And we're live here with Eugene Chadbourne. And Eugene is coming to Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, this Monday and Tuesday. Monday at the Cosmic Zoo. Tuesday at Nyla Restaurant. Eugene Chadbourne. Go ahead. I was just going to say, I've got the studio uh, production waiting here, and I'm wondering, uh, I need to wind down and get going. Oh, just winding up here, just quickly here, Eugene Chadbourne, what is the most that you've been paid for, for a boo? Like, you were once paid 50 cents a boo in Florida, opening for Delbert McClinton? I think that sets the record so far, yeah. I figured that out, That I figured that... I was making very good money to be booed. Of all the labels you've been on, who do you think is the best with accounting? <laughs> That's a great question. I have to say that 
of all the labels I've ever been on, uh, no matter whether it's a guy with a, his records in his house or a real company with an office and a warehouse, et cetera, et cetera, and no matter whether they have a contract or a verbal agreement or however... None of them are any good at accounting. I don't think people like to do accounting. There's only a few people that really appreciate how enjoying, how enjoyable it is to do accounting, and none of them seem to be in the record business. What? But I look, and it's funny, the only guy, one of the only guys that really regularly does accounting, I have to, get, uh, I have to, elim- I have to take him out of the list before and make special mention of Michel Levasseur from the Victo label in Quebec. He really seriously does accounting, but he never sells any records, so the accounting is always like one or two. You've sold one or two copies. They're kind of amusing to look at. Eugene Chadbourne, what sort of compensation did you get for being on violin music for restaurants? You were snoring on that. Did you get anything for that? I did. I'm, I have, I'm glad you brought that up. That's one thing I'm very proud of in my life. Um, I, I fell asleep in John Rose's apartment after a, after a whole day of wandering around Amsterdam, and he taped it and put it on a record, and he paid me 200 euro for this uh, snoring royalty. And we have another email question, just lastly here, with Eugene Chadbourne on an Ardwater Human Serviette radio show. Hi, Eugene. I remember you for the first time seeing you, I think, in 1984 at the Helen Pitt Gallery in Vancouver. It was very cool. You played the rake, and I think you sat on the floor while playing the rake. It was extremely cool because it was one of the first times I saw someone in real life doing what I had learned about at school. Vera, very dadaist. Hey, that's neat. And that was from Shockabilly Girl at Yahoo.ca. I like the idea of a Shockabilly Girl. Uh, what is the history of rakes? Is that, is that like an email address? Shockabilly Girl at Yahoo? Yes. I can remember that and write her. What is the history of rake music? Were you the first to use a rake? Have you seen anybody else play a rake? Have people been inspired by your raking? Well, the instrument I've seen other people play that I think are, is not connected to you know me seeing me is that I've seen other people play uh, a fiddle or an instrument made out of a toilet plunger. So I wouldn't take credit for that. The rake, I, I think I came up with that. Maybe someone else has done it. Uh, other people have done it just because it's really easy to do once they see me do it. And I've also um, given rakes to other people. I've even started to sell them. Um, it started after I moved to North Carolina. Of course, nobody in New York City has any use for a rake whatsoever. I was raking my yard, and the thing broke, and I, and I thought, um, I wonder what this sounds like with contact mics on it. And I took it to this gig that night, and I was really surprised with the reaction. People kind of acted almost like it, was, it bordered on a religious thing. Where's the rake? The rake. People would drive hundreds of miles. Did you have your rake with you? And, you know, I had follow-ups and, and uh, other, other instruments instead, and some of them were, were very glorious. The pencil sharpener, the toast star, I thought was really good, because I could also make toast for the audience while I played it. In, in, in some of them I like better than the rake. Eugene Chadwin, just lastly, lastly, here, another just couple quick questions here. Again, you're going to be in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, this Monday, September 5th at the Cosmic Zoo, and on Tuesday, September the 6th at Nala African Restaurant at Maine and Kigand. Right you, you mentioned the toilet. Now, Bob Ostertag. Who is Bob Ostertag? Because I understand you incorporated him flushing the toilet into one of your shows in the East Village in New York. 
Oh, that's possible. Yeah, I think he went to the toilet during the show. And everybody went silent, and they heard the toilet. How that's, did you know to do that? That's possible, yeah. I'm, yeah, that's, that's the kind of thing that happens, especially in these clubs where the, the toilet is, like, right in back of the stage. For your early life, did you really see the leaves, you know, from Hey Joe fame, the leaves? I the saw si- the leaves play at a, at a bar called Tulagi's in Boulder. How many of those Garage 60s bands did you see? What year would, it, would that have been, like, 1966 leaves? Yeah, 66 or 67. I was a little punk. I was 13. I had to sort of sneak in the back. Were you in a band at that time? Uh, yeah, I was in a garage band, definitely. Did you guys record anything? When was your first no, release? There Did- was no way to record. There was no way to record anything. But seeing the leaves though in '66, that's pretty incredible. Were they pretty powerful? In a little bar too. Like I was right next to them, and I got to watch them set up and everything. It was much more fun than going to one of these big shows. Because people have said their version of Hey Joe is the one that Hendrix based his version on. It's like the ultimate version it's of Hey good, Joe. That was a good one, yeah. They were really good. And lastly, lastly here, Eugene Chadbourne, at the Peacock Theater, I think it's like in Tasmania, I saw, I, saw a, I, saw, yeah, I saw a clip of you doing something there. What exactly are you doing? It looks to be like some toilet paper and juice in a blender. Huh? <laughs> Oh, I think, you know, we had a lot of um, homemade instruments because we were doing a workshop on it there, and some of the stuff made it over to the show, and we had a, uh, it was a juicer that was wired up for sound. And so I was juicing stuff, and, and, and yeah, that was a lot of fun. Uh, during that week, too, I also got to play a solo on an electric rabbit trap, which is a very Australian thing. Well, I can hear the line going a bit staticky, which probably is a subliminal message that this interview is coming to an end. Yeah, Thank- enough's, enough's enough. Thank you so much for phoning into to Nardwar, the Human Serviette radio show, Eugene Chadbourne. And coming up right now, we are going to play Pop My Trunk by Eugene Chadbourne. And also, if there's time, also going to try to play That's All Water Under the Bridge. What are you playing on the song, That's All Water Under the Bridge? What is the noises in that song? That's all done on a prepared uh, 12-string acoustic guitar made by Harmony. And again, for people that don't know, this is a song coming up, Pop My Trunk by why no okay why should people care about eugene chadbourne why should people care i think people should care about everything really and what is there not to, even not caring is a sign of caring and i defy anyone to argue that with me and anything else you want to add to the people out there at all eugene chadbourne i'm just looking forward to seeing all my friends in vancouver let's hear it for vancouver ah! <laughs> Well, thanks so much, Eugene Chadbourne. Keep on rocking in the free world, and do do the loot do. Take it easy. Bye-bye. Uh, almost, Eugene Chadbourne. do do the loot do Well, I guess that kind of was do do Eugene Chadbourne is our guest. He's here today with uh, Walter Daniels, accompanying him on harmonica. What would you like to close out with? We want to try one out that we just learned this one. Uh, we were getting lost trying to find where we were supposed to play uh, Saturday night in San Antonio. We had the radio on, and this song came on, and I, I really uh, was really excited about it. And um, I looked it up on the Internet. It, I realized it was... Uh, what would you say? More than just a song, kind of like a way of life. It's incredible. But I think um, it's some Houston rap, this it, guy named yeah. Wino. Yeah, this is gonna, we're going to do a cover of Wino, and um, we hope you enjoy this. For the Appalachian banjo aficionados, this is going to be done in the what we call the double C tuning. Okay, thank you. Wino! Wino! Wake up!
<sighs> What's happening, man? They're waiting for you at the battlefield. Oh, tell them I'll be there in the morning. It is the morning, Rhino. Get up, get up. Where them haters at? Where them haters at? Man. Yep, yep, yep. Pop my trunk, pop my trunk, pop my trunk, pop my trunk. Then pop my trunk. Yep, 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 yep. Pop my, pop my trunk, pop. pop. I beat the fat pal. What you know about that? We fall deep in the lack, then we all got gas. Case of food trip, man. I think he wanna jack. Leave you laying sideways, wide open, playing that. Holler back at what the funny hoe else ain't become. Wait a badass kid, yeah, my nose runs running. H town, fifth ward, you there? Throw it up, yeah. It's understood, it's all good. Everybody know my name, I'm deep and rooted in the game. Sometimes I'm riding planes, sometimes I grip the grain on them 84s, elbows, fingers, put them under. Do your life's in danger, shining my neck, wrist, and my teeth, 20 inch brain jabbed in my seat. In my seat. 25 crew if you wanna beat it, so I can. Yep, 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 yep. Pop my trunk, yeah, yep, 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 yep. Pop my trunk, pop my trunk, pop my trunk. Yep, 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 yep. Coming. When you see me in the streets, it's the same player that you were hearing on these beats. Just holler at me, man, my paint dripping like my car had a leak sitting in my back seat. Give you a headache for a week. When I pass a sitting tall as a giraffe with a map like it. Cause I'm riding E-class, I just laugh, I see them. Haters, please, make them eat my dust, leave them with a sour taste. You riding in 17, so I get you in the last place. Cause in the rims I'm riding, come past my ways. When the trunk pop partner, it's a bop test. It's something like a tender dancer, cause my car is topless. I see me under that, turning heads. My pants are burning iron, is now turning red. Power wall riding butter on the south of Dark Chad. We gotta wonder why that original. Yep, 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 yep. Pop my trunk, yep, yep, pop my trunk, pop my trunk, pop my trunk. Why I'm coming. Yep, 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 yep. The doctor of the rap gang, go ask your girl, she's gonna tell you the same thing, she wanna touch my mic, dog. I heard you could really sing, four fifteens in my trunk. Yeah, really big, silly man, steady flipping on the bad broad, throwing draws, summertime I speed it, not sometimes I speed it broads. When I pull through the club and they treat me like a star, get through the hood, they say, look at his car, I got a scar in my styrofoam white cup. When you hear me say, huh, gonna throw it out. When I throw my party bad, but they be showing up, haters throwing up the door, the cat is coming up. Yeah, why no? Here to hear my voice, yeah, they can't get enough Cause I'm rough and tough, step and take a look I'm a Pop my trunk, yep, 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 yep I Pop my trunk, pop my trunk, pop my trunk Pop my trunk, pop my trunk, pop my trunk, pop my trunk, pop my trunk Oh, Hey yo, this is Marky Mark telling you what's up. The president's first term, that's what's up. Hey yo, I'm not trying to tell you which way you should go, cause you can go one way or the other. But I am saying that there is something you should do, like vote. Yo, there's 26 million kids between the ages of 18 and 24. That's enough to make a crazy difference. And together we can make a revolution. And together we can rock the vote. So do that. Peace. Yo, what's up? It's real popular in rap music right now to diss the establishment oh, baby. or complain about the establishment's faults. I wanna get rich out. What needs to be popular is getting y'all out there to vote, you know what I'm saying? And take your picture. I'm here to tell y'all if you're 18 or older and you're an American citizen, you got the right to vote. I see them dancing. You got any complaints, you take it out on them. Peace. Baby got ballet in the open room. 
can't touch this. There are some people running around America who don't seem to know what America is all about. You can't touch this. They want to censor what you see. Break it down. Censor what you say. And they want to censor what you hear. But there's one form of expression that they can't censor. Not yet. And that's your right to vote. Stop. They can't touch that. Hey, yo, this is Marky Mark telling you what's up. The president's first term, that's what's up. Hey, yo, I'm not trying to tell you which way you should go, because you can go one way or the other. But I am saying that there is something you should do, like vote. Yo, there's 26 million kids between the ages of 18 and 24. That's enough to make a crazy difference. And together we can make a revolution. And together we can rock the vote. So do that. Peace. Do you ever get the feeling that no one is listening, that one vote won't be heard? Hi, I'm Michael Bolton. This is not the time for us to be a silent majority. Now, more than ever, it's time to raise our voice. If you're 18 years of age or older and a U.S. citizen, register and rock the vote. Hi, this is Melissa Etheridge. Do you realize that there are more than 25 million people between the ages of 18 and 24 in the United States and only a third of them voted in the last presidential election? That means a lot of voices weren't even heard on election day. This election, show the politicians you won't be counted out. Speak out and make them responsive to you. Register to vote and rock the vote on November 3rd. If you live in America, you are free to vote and free to protest. You are also free to speak your mind and free to decide what choice is correct for you. Don't take freedom for granted. Vote to keep it strong. If you like to rock, rock the vote. Live free. Stay free. Let freedom rock. This is a message from Sonic Youth. Please register and rock the vote on November 3rd, 1992. Peace. Hi, it's Yo-Yo along with the IBWC encouraging all of our young men and young women to go out and register to rock the vote. We can do it. Hey, this is Ricky Rackman. Four years ago, I didn't vote. Why bother? Now our elected officials are censoring our music. Our elected officials are telling us we've got to wear helmets. How weird does it have to get? Last time, 70% of you didn't vote. This year, I'm going to vote. This year, you should vote. How weird does it have to get? Rock the vote. Hi, this is Dave Mustaine from Megadeth. And by not voting, you're definitely voting for the winner. Vote. Rock the vote. This is Rosie Perez. Now you can sit there on your little soapbox and complain about the world all you want. You can say that drugs are wrong. You can say that racism is wrong. You can say that welfare is wrong. You can say that the lack of financing for our educational system is wrong. But you're just talking out the side of your neck if you don't 
register and vote. Make the difference. Rock the vote. Yo, what's up? It's real popular in rap music right now to diss the establishment oh, baby. or complain about the establishment's faults. I wanna get rich out. What needs to be popular is getting y'all out there to vote, you know what I'm saying? And take your picture. I'm here to tell y'all if you're 18 or older and you're an American citizen, you got the right to vote. I seen her dancing. You got any complaints, you take it out on them. Peace. Baby got ballet in the open There are two things you can do about censorship. You can do nothing or you can vote. If you don't do anything, you may not be able to buy the albums or read the books or see the movies that you want. If you vote, you can tell the people who make decisions that we won't remain silent any longer. Remember, your vote is your voice.
And you're still listening to the Nardwar, the Human Serviette radio show. You just heard right there Eugene Chadbourne with That's All Water Under the Bridge. Before that, some Rock the Vote promos courtesy Beppy. And before that, a cover of Wino's Pop My Trunk by Eugene Chadbourne. Eugene Chadbourne is coming to Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada next Monday and Tuesday, Monday, he's at the Cosmic Zoo, and on Tuesday, he's at Nyla African Restaurant at Maine and King Ed. Also playing this weekend are the Butthole Surfers. They're playing tomorrow at the rickshaw. And now, in honor of the Butthole Surfers, to end the Nardwarta Human Serviette radio show, here's the Silver Surfers from Italy with She's Lost Control. Yeah, that tune on Vox Pop Records on the Nardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show. Thanks, Pepe. (laughs) 